Bible would say that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual darkness in high places. In other words, that thing you're going through right now, you think it's about your marriage. It's not against your spouse. Some of you wish it was because then you could, you could hit him in the face and it would work. You know what I mean? Like you can just beat him up and it would work. It doesn't work that way. Some of you think your battle is against your job and, and, and against your employer. And, and, and man, if I can just, I can fight this in the natural and it'll work. I can work harder, show up earlier, stay later, and it'll work. And, and, and there's some truth in, in, in you giving your best, but that's not the battle you're in. Some of you think your joy and your peace, man, it'll just come back if I just, I got to get in the right counseling. I got to get, I got to read the right books. If I can just read the right stuff, then I can get back and fight back depression and fight back anxiety. And listen, all that's good, but that's not what you're wrestling against. You're wrestling against powers of darkness. There's a spiritual battle going on in your life for your life. Say amen to that, everybody. And you and I have to have a spiritual weapon if we're going to win a spiritual battle. And I believe over the next four weeks, I really want to open your heart to the idea that we're in a spiritual battle and our spiritual weapon, the greatest spiritual weapon I think every believer has, is the weapon of worship. Now, Let, let me make a statement to you that you may have never heard before. I don't think, I don't think worship will get you out of your situation. So I've heard preachers, I think it's bad theology. I've heard preachers say, man, if you'll just, you know, you'll just keep pushing through and being faithful and worship, then God will deliver you. I don't know that that's the truth. I don't see that in the Bible, as a matter of fact. I don't see God taking you out of your situation. Here's what I do see. I see that you can worship your way through your situation. That while I'm in the middle of it, if I, if I, put my, if I take up that, 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 that shield, if I take up that sword, as a matter of fact, that's... That, that, that's sort of what we're talking about. If I, if I lift that battle cry, I can get through anything in my life. And in the next four weeks, I'm, I, I really want to dive in. I want to give you some word about how you can win the war with your worship. I believe in it so much. A couple of times a year, we call a special meeting, just a, a worship. We're in 21 days of prayer, and we always end our 21 days of prayer with a night of worship, everybody. And August the 28th is our next night of worship. It's a Wednesday night. It's the end of this message series. Yeah. Thank you for both of you over there who are happy about it. It's the end of this message series, and it's the end of our 21 days. And we're going to fill this place up on Wednesday night. And listen, here's what, my, here's what my ask of you is. I want you to bring anybody in your life that needs a spiritual breakthrough, that needs a breakthrough in their marriage, on their jobs, in their health, in their, in their finances, maybe a mental, emotional breakthrough. I just, I, we have friends that will be here leading worship. Hope City from, from Houston, Texas, the fastest growing church in America. Their worship team will be here leading us in worship that night. I'll be ministering. We'll pray. that It's just going to be a powerful, powerful, powerful night of breakthrough. And I want you to be here for that. So this is a warning to everybody who's like, I don't know, I kind of like it, but it's a little loud. That night's even worse. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like, let, me, let, me just, let me just go ahead and set your expectations. That, 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 that's the night we're going to, come on, we're going to go all in, everybody. Are you with me on that? We're going to go all in on God's presence. There are going to be people saved and delivered that night, baptized with the Holy Spirit that night. There are going to be people that, that, that get breakthrough and set free that night. Are you with me? Say amen to that at night of worship. And so I've been praying for this series. I told you before. We worshiped again. I've been praying, God, God, help me. As a matter of fact, the idea of battle card was birthed out of a scripture in the Psalms. And here's what, here's what, let me give you the theme verse for this, 
message series that Psalms 149, David would say it like this, May the praise of God be in my, everybody say my mouth. In other words, I've got something to do. There's a physical action required when I praise God. I've met people who say, well, pastor, I just, I'm, not, I'm not that emotional. I don't, I don't really get involved. I praise in my heart. Well, that's okay. There's some scripture about that too. But every once in a while, it's got to get out of your heart and get in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? It's got to get in your hands a little bit. You've got to tell your arms, I know you're tired and you don't feel like it and you've been fighting hell, but you've got to get up because it's time to worship God. Are you with me? Like, I, I, got, I got to involve this physical part of me to worship God. And when you do, then the spiritual takes over. And praise in your mouth becomes a double-edged sword in your hands. Now, that's not, that's not real sword. Don't, don't come in here with a, like Leonardo, come on next week, talking about I'm here to do war. That's not what we're talking about. We're not, I'm not, this, is, this is the idea that if I'll do something physically, that God would fight spiritually that there's a spiritual war going on and when you learn how to worship God in the middle of your battle that God puts a sword in your hand to fight with I've met people who complain in the middle of their battle you don't win I've met people who drop out in the middle of their battle you don't win I've met people who give up and just walk away and say listen I, I, there's just, I, I'm just being honest with you you'll never win the battle you don't show up for You'll never be able to completely win the battle you don't show up for. But I love people. I love people in this church who are facing hell. Maybe that's where you are today. Facing the hardest parts of your life. The toughest time in your marriage. The, the, the biggest uh, insecurity. I don't know what's happening. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're moving. I don't know. They're, I'm confused. I need direction. And you still show up and engage in worship. And God puts a sword in your hand so that you can fight your way through the hardest time of your life. Shout amen to that everybody. I wish I had time to point it out to you because there's so many of you that that's your story. And today's going to be a foundation day. I want you to come back. I want you to lean in all four weeks. I really do. I rarely ask you don't miss because I know life comes up but I'm asking you don't miss. Like this, this next four weeks I need this you need this. The reason I've come to prayer for eight days at six o'clock in the morning is because I need this. I, I need to recalibrate and refocus and shake off all of that summer. Come on, all that, uh, that, that, that sleepy gets in your eye. You know what I'm talking about like that? That stuff that just kind of crusts up in the corner of your eye there. I see that on you about 6 a.m. when you come to prayer. But I'm shaking that off spiritually and I need this. Amen, everybody. Matter of fact, next week, let me go ahead and announce to you. Next week is our back to school prayer. So we'll be praying for all students and teachers and administrators. Everybody going back to school. Our students will be moving up. It's promotion weekend in City Hills Kids. And we'll be praying for them, blessing them. We have some special surprises for you and going to be a great day. But bring the whole family during this whole series. Let me kind of lay the foundation today and then, and then I'll really, I, I'm, I'm going to kick it into about second or third gear next week. So just, get, just buckle up for all of that. But I want to lay a foundation for you today. I've met so many people who say, Pastor, I just don't, we, I don't worship like y'all worship. I kind of come from a quiet church. Is that your story? Let me see your hands. If you just say, man, I was kind of raised. There you are. Y'all my favorite people. How many of you were kind of raised like me where you came from a church wilder than this one? Come on, somebody. Three or four hours of service. Yeah, I, I, can, I usually can pick you all out. Yeah, <laughs> Like I, we'd be in church all day long. Come on. If you didn't sweat, you didn't meet Jesus. You know what I'm which I sweat a lot. Matter of fact, I have a towel. So one of our dream teamers made, made me a towel because I, I, um, 
I, I, I don't, don't, don't let me be offensive here. I, I really I don't mean it, but I've got a little black bishop that lives on the inside of me. And every once in a while he comes out. And so I, they made me a towel to preach with because I just I, I sweat and spit a whole lot. And, and that's the kind of church I come from. And some people think, man, you don't know. Like I just come from quiet. I don't really like the, you know, the sound and the worship and all that. But here's the, here's the truth of the matter. That's not really the worship that I'm talking about. Everybody's a worshiper. Worship is just this. Write this down. Worship is whatever that you give worth to. It's just whatever you give worth to. It's just whatever you put value on. It's just whatever you ascribe worth to. I'm worshiping that thing. You say, well, I'm just not a worshiper. Sure you are. Everybody's a worship. Worship is what everyone does. Write this down. Worship is what everybody does. It's what everybody does. Everybody worships something. Yet God designed you so that your life would put worth and value on something. What my attention where my finances, where my energies, where my gifts and my talents and my money and my time and, and, and where my affection goes. You were designed by God to give worship to something. Worship's what everybody does. And worship is not just clapping your hands, waving your hands or moonwalking across the stage. Come on. Worship's more than that. Worship's not always defined by our actions. Worship is defined by our everybody shout lives. And this foundation message, I got to get you off of thinking, well, I'm just not a worshiper. I'm just not, I'm, I'm not emotional, which is always funny when people say I'm not emotional until the Spurs lose Kawhi, then you get emotional. Until, until come on, somebody, until the Cowboys lose yet again another year, you get emotional. You know it's going to happen right now. Let me, I'm not a prophet, but let me go ahead and warn you. This is not your year, everybody. So you're not emotional until something gets emotional and then suddenly you get emotional. You know what I'm saying? You're not emotional until you try to merge onto I-10 in any exit in Bernie. Then you get emotional. Then I get emotional. That's why I'm worried about you putting those City Hills stickers on your car because I, some of y'all like to greet uh, people with that one arm uh, Texas salute, and so I, I, I just you get emotional. Everybody's a worshiper. It's not by our actions; it's by our lives. Everybody worships. Well, I, I think I worship God, Pastor. I, I mean, I sing about it, I say it, I shout it. But listen close. The key today is not about what you sing, say, or shout. It's about how you live your life. I got to lay a foundation for you. I got to build some foundation for the next four weeks so that you realize that, that worship is so much bigger than clapping my hands or going to church or, or singing out loud. Worship something I give worth to. When you boil it all down, worship is what I value and my response to what I value. What I value and my response, that's better than you just amen. My val- what I value and my response to what I value. So in other words, does my life live up to the, to the words I sing? Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. I'm not going to sing anymore. Here I am to say that you're my kid. So, so I, I worshiped, right? I sang the song. No, 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 no. Let me ask you. On Monday, is that how you live your life? Do you live your life in a posture where you bow everything in front of Jesus? That that I give Jesus my everything. That I worship Him in my marriage, with my children, on my job. Is my life surrendered completely to Christ in a way that I'm worshiping God? You're designed to worship. Everybody does it. Everybody's life is aimed at something. 
Your life is aimed at something, and that thing gets the most value. That thing, it could be worship, it could be worshiping uh, your time and, and my schedule and what I do or my extracurricular stuff or sports or my job or success or money or my physical appearance or whatever. It, everybody's got something you aim your life to. And, and it's amazing to me the number of people who believe your life is about worshiping God when your actions don't line up to the mouth that you say, here I am to worship. Are you still there? Say amen. And Paul walks into a scenario just like this. The Apostle Paul is preaching in Athens. And Athens is the cultural center of the known world at the time. I think Athens is like, and don't take offense to this if you're from California, but I think Athens is like the San Francisco of, of, the, of the modern world. It's cosmopolitan. It's where all the smart people, come on, it's, it's the Silicon Valley of the known world. I mean, it is... It is where intellectuals gather and, 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 and it's, where, it's where the most elite, the most wealthy sort of have their, it's a power base. And, and, and Athens is, is a very, very important part of culture and it sort of sets the tone for worship. I wish I had time to draw the parallels uh, from, from our culture in, in Athens. Athens would, would put out what everybody else was worshiping. Does that kind of sound like Hollywood to you? That it puts out what everybody else is going to worship. Here's what everybody else is going to think about. Everybody else is going to talk about. Everybody else is going to be a part of. That's Athens. And Paul walks into Athens and he preaches what I think is probably one of the most clear and concise presentations of the God of the Bible and the gospel message. And, and, he's, and he's on top of a rock. And, and this rock is super special in Athens. I don't have time to give you all the history. But it's not a temple. It's, but, it's, but it's this giant outdoor. It's, all, it's a, kind of the top of a hill. There's a big rock there. And throughout millennia, it had become a place of judgment. It had been where they had held court. And it, and it had turned into a high altar. Such a high altar that every god from Athens, most historians believe, had an idol on top of this particular site of worship on this altar. And so the Athenians had put all of these idols there. And, and, and there were literally, I, I mean, there were dozens or maybe hundreds of, of idols that we had worshipped all of this stuff, all of these different idols, and they were literally lined up in a shrine all, all together. And you got to the very end of this, and they had this one shrine that was so, it was, it was unique because it didn't have a face, didn't really, it wasn't associated with anything. And, and the Athenians put a, put a plaque on that shrine, and it was called to the unknown God. It was almost like, listen close, it was almost like the people of Athens knew all of these gods are good, but there's something missing. Oh, I feel like preaching now. There's something missing in my life. There's some, there's, I don't understand. I, I've worshipped all of this other stuff. I've given my attention, my time, my energy, my money. I give to all of this other stuff, but it just doesn't feel the thing on the inside of me. Are you still there? And they didn't know how to put words to it. So they just built this idol and they said, this is to the unknown God. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, walks onto this mountain, stands by that statue and preaches this message. Acts 17, Paul stood in the middle of this rock and he said to them, this is the name of the rock, and he, and he says, Pegasus, matter of fact, this, this, is, this means a, a, the plethora of gods that are there. He said, people of Athens, now catch this, you've got to catch every word of this. I see that in every way you are very religious. Let me pause here, look into my eyes. I've met a ton of very religious people who aren't very spiritual. 
I've met a ton of, matter of fact, I'm on a mission. I'm, uh, let me go ahead and let the cat out of the bag about, you probably recognize this already. But this is the kind of church that believes that we, re, it's not spooky. It's not weird. Nobody's going to do anything weird and spooky. But we do believe we're in a spiritual battle. Say amen to that. I've spent the last eight days battling what I believe is a spirit of religion over this city. I really believe San Antonio, I think there's a principality of, I have met a ton of very religious people who do not understand spirituality. I met a ton of very religious people who are in cold, dead, dry, car- they have, their actions don't line up with what comes out of their mouth. And Athenians said, Paul said to the, to the people of Athens, I've been looking around seeing how very religious you are. Like you go to church and you do all the things and you say all the right things and you're in all the th- stuff and you, you know you got the fish on your car. I've seen a bunch of religious people. I just haven't noticed your lives matching up to the religious that you talk about. And so I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship. Now listen, these aren't Christians, but they're still worshiping something. Because worship's not a Christian thing, it's a human thing. Worship has nothing to do with Christianity. It has everything to do with the the condition of your heart. Everybody's. God designed you that your life aims at, puts value on, worship something. I've been looking at your objects of worship. And I even found at the end of all of these idols an altar that had this inscription on it to an unknown God. It's almost like they were preaching Paul's message for him. Because it's almost like they recognize, hey, there's something missing in my heart. I'm very religious. I got all of this other stuff. You know, I memorize stuff. I do the chants. I do the religious stuff. I, do the, I say the right religious stuff, but there's something in my heart that's missing. And I'm preaching over this church over the next four weeks. And I'm really, honestly, the, the last eight days and the next few days, I, I'm battling that spirit of religion over the, I'm going to break it off of this city in Jesus' name. That we're not going to get caught up in religion. We're going to get passionately, madly, vibrantly in love with Jesus Christ say amen to that that it's a relationship that changes my heart he said I've been noticing you have this this statue to an unknown God and you're ignorant of the very thing he said I don't even think you realize that your lives are missing something and this is what I'm going to help you with this is what I think is probably one of the greatest messages in the New Testament the God this is his message the God who made the world And everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And He doesn't live in temples. Aren't you glad that He doesn't require a building with a a steeple on it? He can meet us right here in a movie theater, everybody. He doesn't live in temples being built by human hands. And He's not served by human hands as if you could do anything that would move God. As if God needed anything from you. By the way, all that religious stuff you think God needs from you, He doesn't need any of that from you. God God doesn't need any of that to move in our city. God doesn't need any of that to move in your life. All that religious stuff that you think is going to save you, Paul said, none of that stuff's going to work, by the way. All that stuff you thought you could do to earn your salvation, work your way into it, make everybody believe you were more spiritual, that's not what's going to change the world. God doesn't need any of that, by the way. He said He doesn't need anything. Rather, He Himself gives, I love this message, He gives everyone life and breath and everything else I have comes from this God. And from one man, Adam, He made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. Watch this, watch this. Listen, this is is how we arranged our whole church around, around this particular principle. 
that he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. If I had time, I'd preach just this passage to you. That God has marked out your time on this earth. That God's put boundaries around your life. That you were made on purpose and with a purpose. That you're no accident that you're here today. You're no accident that you found City Hills. You're no accident that you married who you married. The kids that you have. The the things you've been through. The gifts that God gave you. The talents that you have. The heartaches that you've walked through. The darkest seasons of your life. God, the God that you don't even realize is searching for you. The God that you didn't realize His whole plan was for you. He's laid out your life. You have an appointed time. God, I feel what I'm preaching to you. Some of you may have come here thinking, I didn't know if this was even the right thing. I don't even know if God knows where I'm at. Oh, God knows right where you are. He's appointed you for this time in history. And He's laid out the boundaries of your life. He's got a place for you to be. And God did all of this. Listen, I love this message. God did all of this so that you would seek Him. And perhaps, the thing I love about the God of the Bible is He's not going to force you to do it. There's a perhaps in your life that perhaps is where you and I live. It's the 80, 90 or so years you and I have on this earth. We live in the perhaps. Perhaps we're going to give God our best. Perhaps we're going to seek after God. Perhaps we're going to turn our attention towards God and not the things of the world. He said, I want you to seek me and perhaps reach out for God. And if you'll do that, God's not playing hide and seek with you. You'll find Him. A better translation of this, when you look at a couple of more translations, the reach out for him, it's really better translated groping for him. It's almost like when you're in darkness and your whole life is groping for God. Even the hard parts of your life. Even, even listen, and if you'll do that, you'll find him because he's not far from any one of us. Here's what that means. That in the hardest seasons you've ever walked through in your life and you feel darkness over you and you don't know where God is, if you'll just reach out, you'll bump into God everywhere you go. Everywhere I look to, there I bumped into him again. In the heart, When I got that message from the doctor, I bumped into God again. When I had to bury my mother, I walked in and bumped into God again. When we finalized the divorce, I bumped into God right there in the darkest time. As long as I'm seeking God, I'm will bump into God everywhere through the hardest times of my life that unknown God that you didn't even know had a plan for your life had a plan and and he did all of that so you would seek him and he did all of that so that you could find him because he's not far from any one of us if you don't catch anything else catch this today that if you'll seek him if if you'll draw close to him the Bible said he'll draw close to you that you can find Him right where you are. For in Him we live and move and have our being. It's so much more than clapping your hands. It's so much more than raising your hands. Worship is that your whole life is seeking after this God. That I knew all along there had to be more. Am I preaching to anybody? Would you just shout amen if it's you? I I just knew my whole life there had to be more for my marriage. I knew there was more purpose that God had for me. I knew this isn't all that there really is. I knew I had a miscarriage because God had a plan in my life. I knew we couldn't have babies because God had a plan. I knew... 
that divorce that hurt me and crushed me and almost took me out, God had a plan. I knew when I buried my daddy that God had a plan. I knew that when I walked away from the business I put my whole life into and it failed. I knew when we foreclosed on our dream home. I just knew God had a plan in my whole life. And I just, I keep bumping into Him everywhere I go. And my whole life is so that I could find this unknown God. Paul said, I just want you to know there's more. There's more. And if you came to City Hills today for the very first time, listen, i got to tell you there's more. There's more. There's more God has for you. There's a plan God has for you. He's laid out your whole life. You have an appointment with God. He said He's appointed your life in history. You have an appointment with God today. And He's laid the boundaries of your life. One, one, one part of the Bible says, he, he, put my, he laid my boundaries in pleasant places. God, I love that about God. He laid my boundaries in pleasant places. And He's got a plan for your life. And it's amazing that these Athenians were so religious but couldn't find God. So, so pseudo-religious, had filled their lives with idols and stuff and stuff that got their attention, but they couldn't find God. And in the process of trying to find Him, listen close, you and I probably have a long list of idols in our lives. And the process of trying to get to the God who made us. The God who has a plan for us. The God whose purpose is for me. The God who laid the boundaries of my life in pleasant places. In the process of groping and trying to find seeking Him, you and I probably have a long list of idols. I tried to make it success. I tried to make it about money. I tried to make it about this relationship. I tried to make it about my kids. I tried to make it about sports. I tried to make it about this. I tried to make it about money. I tried to make it about climbing the corporate ladder. I tried to make it about all of this stuff. When all along I got to church in the middle of August and realized, oh, that's that's the unknown God that I've always been searching for. That's the God who wants my full attention. Why Why would I worship God with my whole life? Write this down. Because God's worthy. Because He's the only one who's worthy of your whole life. He's worthy. Every time, listen close, every time we get a glimpse into the presence or, or, or the place of God, the room temperature where God is, is worship. Let me say that again so you'll catch it. Every time in the Bible we get a glimpse of where God is, we get a glimpse into His world, we, sort of through, through, through prophecy we, we peel back that just a little bit of the layer we can see where God is, that we get a glimpse of, of where He is. The room temperature of that place is always worship. It's in the Old Testament. The Bible says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. And there were angels there. Two wings did cover their face. Two did cover their bodies. Two did cover their feet. And they cried one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When Isaiah saw God high and lifted up in the year King Uzziah died, the first thing he said I noticed about the room temperature where God was is angels were worshiping God. That Because wherever God is and the presence of God is, there's always worship because He's always worthy. He's the object of heaven. John, who wrote the revelation of Jesus Christ, he, he, got, he, he got a glimpse into where God lives in Revelation 5. He said, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. Now, I want you to come on in your mind's eye. I want you to create this picture. Come on, all. Uh, let your imagination run wild of what it looks like to see thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 angels. 
And they're encircled around the throne and the living creatures, the beasts that are there, and the twelve elders that are there around the throne. In a loud voice, here's what the temperature of heaven is. They're saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Every time you see the presence of God, people are worshiping God because He's the only one who's worthy of that. Come on, do you believe that? Shout amen. i got to get about 15 or 20 of you all to believe this before I quit today. That when John sees Jesus, there's worship going on. I see him, I see him all around the throne, 10,000 times 10,000. Every, everywhere the presence of God is, there's worship. Then I heard every creature in heaven, every creature on the earth, every creature under the earth. You know what those are? Those are devils. Do you know the same devil you think you're fighting for your marriage is subject to worshiping God? Did you know that? Did you know that devils and demons still don't have any choice but to worship God with everything they got? Did you know that? That when John said, I saw all of that, that devil I thought was going to get me, he was worshiping God. He was giving God his all. Because everywhere God is, there's worship. He's worthy. I just got to lay a foundation about worshipers. He's worshipped to be, he's worthy to be praised and everything on the earth and in the sea and everything in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praised and honor and glory and power forever and forever. He's the only one worthy. Everywhere you see the presence of God, you see worship. And if you need the presence of God in your life, it's going to be because you put God at the object of your worship. That He's worthy. Not only is God worthy, but listen, you're a worshiper. You know why to worship God? Because He's worthy and because you're a worshiper. You were designed that way. You don't have a choice. Everybody, you may think to yourself, I'm not a worshiper really, Pastor. I don't, I don't, Mitch, man, I don't really, I don't do that. I don't get into that. I, I just, you know, I kind of like to just listen and I just, you know, I don't, uh, I just kind of don't do. I'm just really. I don't really, I just, I don't like it. I, I do not like to sing. You know what? Just whatever. Just, your, you know, your thing. I just, I don't worship. But listen close. Everybody in your life, every person here, every, everybody you know, everybody in your, we all have a trail that we leave that leads to a throne. My seven-year-old daughter, I have two children if we haven't met yet, and my seven-year-old daughter has begun to make breakfast for her four-year-old little brother. Now, I use the phrase make breakfast loosely. She's begun to get out a lot of things that could become breakfast and scatter them about the house. You understand what I'm telling you? In her attempt to make Breakfast, and the other day I had been upstairs getting ready to go to work, and, and, and Brandy was getting ready. She's upstairs, and, and kind of the way our house is built, you can't really hear downstairs. There's just no, it's, anyway, and so and we knew she was downstairs, and she said, I'm getting breakfast ready for Henry. And so I, I, the moment I get on the staircase, I notice a trail. And, and all of the items on it, like a treasure hunt, Look like breakfast items. Come on, somebody. They look like things you could put together in theory and make breakfast. And the closer I got to the kitchen, the more I realized, oh, that's what she's trying to make out of this whole thing. There's, there's the bread that's on the table. I think toast was supposed to come out of this. I don't know how the loaf of bread made it up here. I, think, I, I understand eggs were supposed to be a part of this. I'm not sure how the egg 
yolks got over here, but I understand what you're trying to do. I think chocolate milk was involved because my floor is brown. That's what I'm hoping this is, is chocolate milk everywhere. I think there was orange juice because it's really sticky and smells like scissors. You know what I'm saying? Like There was a trail, and I get all the way to the end, and there's my little girl beaming that she had made breakfast for her little brother. By the way, he'll eat anything he didn't eat that day. He didn't eat what was, that was not, that wasn't breakfast. Anyways, there was a trail that led to it. Now listen close. Listen close. Look up here. Every person in in this room, there's a trail of your life, a trail of investments, a trail of my time, a trail of my energy, a trail of my, of my resources, a trail of my money. And if you follow that trail that I've left behind, there's a throne at the end of that trail. And whatever's on that throne is what I've worshipped with, with, with my life. That, for some of you, it's money that's sat here. It's success. If you follow the trail of your life, you go, oh, 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 he's been worshipping, trying to climb the la- oh, 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 I see what's happening. She's gone from relationship to relationship, worshipping that thing, thinking that the next relationship would fill that hole in her heart. I see what happens. If, if, if I follow the trail of where I give my time, where I give my energy, look at my checkbook, look at my date book. Look, if you follow the trail of my life, there's a, there's a throne at the end of it. Some of you, it's you sitting Right there. Because it's all about me. What I want. What I, I, I serve when I want to. I pray when I think I can. I, just, I give when I want to. It's all about me. It's about my desire, my stuff. Everybody has a trail in your life and it leads to a throne. And you are a worshiper. Whether you realize it or not. And this and this and what you say doesn't line up to the trail that you've left behind. This is what's most valuable to me. This is where I spend my time. This is where I spend my money. This is where I put my energy. This is what I focus on the most. This is the thing that gets all of my attention. I'm I'm worshiping. I don't even realize it. I'm seeking something to fill my heart. That thing in my heart. Some of you, it's education. Some of you, it's more. I just, I just, if I just, if I learn more, read more, think more, do more. Some of you, it's about a home. Some of you, it's about, it's about that one status symbol. Some of you, it's about a marriage. Some of you, it's about children I'm telling you there's some of us who we've put us on the throne it's just what I want my needs my way there's a throne in your heart and there's a trail that leads to it you're a worshiper and on this first week of this new series come play here on this first week of this new series I gotta get you to put God back in his rightful place if you don't understand then you won't understand how to fight your battles Okay? You want to understand the next three weeks when I teach you how to fight in the middle of a battle? When, when, when we go to God's Word for the right tools and, and, and when we see examples of what it means to fight our way through and, and to worship God in the hardest times of our life, you won't understand it if you'll discount yourself and think, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't apply to me. No, no, no. I'm worshiping something with my life. Something gets my attention. Not how much time I spend not, 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 not about the religious things I do. No, no, no. It's about my heart. What, where, where is my heart? The tragedy of your life. Listen close. As I'm closing to you now. The tragedy of your life would be to spend your whole life worshiping something that can't feel, that doesn't answer that, that right at the very end, this unknown God that I know there's more. I got this whole list of idols. I got this whole list of things that I've spent my time on, my attention on, 
None of them are bad. I'm not telling you they're wrong. I'm just telling you I've made them idols in my life. That makes them bad. And all along there was this unknown thing that God created me for. The God of heaven made me. Put me on the earth at this time. He has an appointment for your life. Put boundaries around your life. Moses is rehearsing the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. And it's amazing what he says. Deuteronomy 5. He says, I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. Stop right here. Look at me. You'll understand worship better if you remember where God brought you from. You'll really get grateful. You, 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 you won't mind anything else I teach you about worship. Raising your hands, crying in God's presence, praying more. You, you won't mind clapping your hands, dancing for joy, leaping. For, you won't mind. I can worship God for 30 minutes. I, it doesn't feel like it's long enough if you, if you remember where God brought you from. He said, I, I, I brought you out of Egypt. It's amazing that Moses had to remind them that since I brought you out of Egypt, listen close. You don't need any other gods before me. I'm embarrassed he had to tell me that. But it's true. He's the one that saved my life. He's the one that put my marriage back together. He's the one that was there in the darkest season I've ever walked through. He's the one that gave me peace when we had to bury a family member. He's the one. Who stands? He's the one who created me, gave me purpose. He's the one who has a plan for my life. And I've put other stuff in front of him. And Moses says, hey, 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 hey. In light of the fact that God brought you out, don't have any other gods in front of him. And don't, don't shape anything for yourself an idol. In the form of anything. I don't have time to... to, to anything. Anything question I get most often as a pastor is, Pastor, is this wrong? Is this a sin? Look into my eyes. Anything you fashion as an idol, you can't put it in front of God. It may be right, and when you make it into an idol and put it on the throne, it's wrong. Don't fashion anything in heaven above or on the earth below. Don't, don't bow down. Look, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Man, that sounds hard. I don't know if I can serve a God like that. So you're saying you want all of my attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying I got, I got to be on the throne of your heart. I'm saying if you're going to win this spiritual battle, if, if you're going, if you're going to learn the weapons of warfare are mighty through God, if you're going to learn how to fight with your worship, I've got to be on the throne of your heart. God and God alone. I'm jealous for that. But if you will, here's what I love about the God of the Bible. If you'll do that, if you'll put God back in His place, if you'll set God up where He's in charge, He's the only thing. If you'll follow the trail of my life, my time, my energy, my money, my resources, my gifts, my talents, my family, my schedule, everything points back to God. If you'll do that, then God will show love to a thousand generations of those that love me. Now listen, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I want to leave my little babies, Hazel, I want to leave them a legacy of financial security. I want to leave them, Brandy and I talk often about what can we do that could leave them financially better than how we were, everybody wants that for your kids. I know you want that. I, 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 I want to set them up for success and education 
and in their health and in their in, in their emotional well-being. I want to set them up. All of that's worthy of 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 your attention. Nothing wrong with any of that. But listen, here's the legacy. I real if all of that fails. If you bury me and my two babies stand around my empty grave and I, and I didn't leave them a house and I didn't leave them a business and I didn't leave them all the money I wish I could have and I didn't leave them a legacy of uh, you know big ranch and big, if, if I didn't leave none of that here's what I really want I want thousands of generations I don't even know how that works I'm just telling you, I want my kids and their kids and their kids and their kids to be shown the love of God. I want them to know, oh, 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 that guy put Jesus in our home. Jesus was at the center. In our home, Jesus got our attention. In our home, Jesus came first. In our home, Jesus was at the top of the list. In our home, Jesus got all of our time, attention, affection. We, we disproportionately Gave time, attention, resources to God. I put Him on the throne. I don't have time to tell you, but you're chasing a mystery if you're chasing, you're chasing balance. There is no such, God never promised you balance in your life. There is no such thing as biblical balance. There's a such thing as biblical order. And biblical order is there's one throne and God sits on that throne. Everything else circles around that one thing. I'm, 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 look, look, I'm just going to confess to you that girl and me, we're completely out of balance according to this world. I give a disproportionate amount of my time to my calling, God's house, God's people, my gifting, my talents, my money comes here, my energy comes here. I think about it, talk about it, pray about it, sleep about it, wake up thinking about it. You know why? Because He's on the throne of my life. My kids, they spend more time here than they spend anywhere else. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just telling you we're out of balance because He, I I want to put him first. I got to put him on the throne. And generations will rise up and say, they didn't leave money, they didn't leave a bunch of other stuff, but man, what a legacy of world changing, making a difference, Jesus loving, evangelizing, serving, praying, worshiping people. Because you're a worshiper and you're going to give something. Why don't you just put God back on that throne? And this foundation week, why don't you just, won't you just return him to the throne? Matter of fact, why don't you close your eyes? This is a good time for you to pray. Nobody moving but our team, just to get into place quickly. And come on, let's let's be still in these next sixty seconds or so, so that you can respect those who are going to make a life changing decision right now. A decision to put God back on the throne. Father, in Jesus' name, come on, your eyes are closed, you're praying. Father, I just repent for all the stuff that I've, I've, just, I've built a whole, I've built a whole altar full of idols. I just, I got this whole thing full of idols, this whole rock full, and, and I've kind of given my attention and my time and my energy, I've given it to all of this other stuff. And God, I didn't even know where I got off track, but... God, if I trace the crumbs of my life, the trail that I've left behind, honestly, I don't know that you've always been on the throne when I get there. So I'm correcting that today. Come on, tell him. So God, I'm changing that today. I'm putting you back on the throne of my heart. Your purpose for my life. Your plan in my life. God, you, 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 you said I had an appointment. God, you said in your word, Paul would preach that 
that you've laid out the boundaries of my life. And so if that's so, I give you my life. Come on, tell him that from a sincere heart. I give you my whole life. God, you planned it. God, you created it. God, you've got purpose for it. God, you've got a plan for it, so I just give it back to you. I put you on the throne of my life. I'm ready to go all in with God. I'm ready to give you my worship, not just in my mouth, but in my heart. Not just with my hands raised, but with my life. I'm ready to, I'm ready to live out what I've said all along. that you, God, you're the king of my life. God, when I do that and, I, and the praise of God's in my mouth, I feel the strength of a double-edged sword in my hand. That I can fight anything, face anything. I can worship my way through. I lift a battle cry of my life. I worship to God.